Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. Uh, this is Martin Harsberger, your host. This morning I have Jay Mudrick, owner and managing Managing Director, I guess, of McFleet Advisory Associates. Welcome, Jay. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Martin, and uh, thank you for the time. Tell me a little bit about Fleet Advisory Associates. What do you do and who do you do it for? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I, I work with the operators of commercial vehicle fleets in evaluating the existing assets and, and processes and procedures and, and helping them uh, take their fleet management to the next level. Um, I am exclusively asset focused. Um, and when I say asset focused, I, I don't really deal with supply chain per se, other than how do those particular assets that are part of the supply chain, how are they spec'd, how are they procured, how are they managed and maintained during their life cycle, for how long, and how are they disposed of? When you talk about those assets, give me an example of the asset you'd be talking about. Besides- uh, the, the asset can be a sedan for a rental car company, or it can be a, a class eight tractor trailer or dump truck. Okay. Uh, recently had some opportunities to get involved with uh, material handling equipment as well. Gotcha. Uh, warehouse equipment, that kind of thing? Exactly, exactly. Okay. That, that's, a, that's an interesting piece because I, I had my own company, when I started my own company, I had wound up with about 30, Forklifts, which cost me maintenance issues and money after <laughs> much more than I uh, kind of thought. So, tell us about how would you deal with that? I mean, I I had, I had a mixture. I went from propane to electric, and I think I finally stayed with electric. But uh, batteries were expensive, and the whole thing. How would, what, what would be the challenge there? Well, I I think it's like any other asset. I think um, any any other transportation-based asset, if you will. Um, obviously, number one, maintenance is, number one, maintenance is number one. Um, if you're not living up to manufacturer-recommended service cycles and things like that, you, you're, you're sunk. Not only are you costing yourself self in terms of deferred maintenance expense, but all of that downtime um, whatever it is, every, every time that you have uh, a, a warehouse employee that's sitting still because his forklift is not operating, 
that costs money. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the, one you, of the you also made the, you made the comment. I'm sorry, sorry, Martin. Forgive me. Oh, hey, hey. You you made the comment about uh, propane versus electric. One of the things that I always stress with with any vehicle fleet is uniformity where possible. And that doesn't mean that there, there's certainly warehouse operations where having some portion of electric fork trucks and some portion of propane may make sense under particular operating parameters and so on. But you need to understand why, why is it that I've got this particular piece of equipment serving this particular function. Um, you know, misspecking is, is such a common problem in our industry. I, I had an example a number of years ago, I was working with a, a company that, that distributed truck components. And you would think that a company that distributed truck components, aftermarket parts and things, you would think that they would be concerned with image. You would think that they would be concerned with operating in a safe manner. Um, company wa was, was well-intentioned. They, they had every desire to, to do the right thing by their service tax and by their customers, but they had fallen into a mindset of um, if I already own the asset, it's free. And what that led them to do was they took Ford F-150s that, that had been a sales and service vehicle and had them delivering truck components that were entirely too heavy, entirely misspec'd. Vehicle was entirely misspec'd for that. Their mindset, once again, was the vehicle's in service. Why should I pay for a new vehicle to replace that? And yet here, they're showing up at truck body companies and so on with, with vehicles that are hauling over weight and that are, are high mileage and are, are pretty decrepit and ill-suited for the application. Gotcha. Well, even forklifts, I mean... Uh, practical experience I, i've got a lot of clients who use a bunch of them and they're not they're not really spec for the job i mean in most cases they're spec that okay what can i get quickly what's the price how can i get it in here and as far as maintenance goes uh you know they most of my clients will have indoor in-house maintenance but they go so far and when you're trying to get factory authorized maintenance it's a waiting period those guys don't have the time to sit and wait a week or 10 days for a service guy to get out there. So they do tend to run through the maintenance schedules, uh, you know, and I understand why, but I understand why they shouldn't too. <laughs> so. Right. But, but, you know, if, if you're, if you're running a warehouse, um, managing forklifts is, it, it may be number four or five on your list, but it's not number one, two, or three. Um, number one is managing inbound and outbound freight. Number two is managing employees. Uh, 
number three is managing, or, or to my point of view, number three is probably managing storage capacity. What do I have? Where's it's go- where is it going? And do I have room for what I need? Um, so because of that, um, forklifts fall behind those things. Um, you, you, you don't, you don't address it until there's an immediacy and yet a proper preventative maintenance program on forklifts where, you know, the warehouse manager may not have time to get in front of those things, but if they can pay someone to get in front of those things, or if they can build that into a weekly regimen, you know, I'm going to spend this amount of hours every week dealing with what my service issues are, um, seeing where my outliers are, um, securing proper replacement equipment, temporary replacements or subs when I need them. Obviously, from an overall cost standpoint, it makes a huge difference. Gotcha. So how'd you get into doing, uh, doing what you're doing today? Uh, well, that's... Um, I, straight out of uh, college and and graduate school, I was a financial analyst, uh, corporate financial analyst. I did a lot of budgeting, planning, and also uh, did a lot of lease versus buy analysis on various assets. From that lease versus buy analysis, I developed an interest in the equipment vehicle leasing industry. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. I have been uh, in, in, in fleet and vehicle leasing, structuring, management, maintenance for 35 years. Yeah. You must have liked it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I liked it. It liked me. Uh, certainly, certainly, it's an interesting set of problems and a, a wonderful set of people that you work with. Yeah, I got you. It's uh, it's not something that, just like myself. It's not something when you're ten years old running around saying I want to be when I grow up. But you know, you make a living and you do good at it, and you you become an expert. What's Absolutely. What's your differentiator? You think in your competition? Um, my biggest differentiator is I come from the other side of the table. Um, and what I mean by that is. In my, in my experience in the leasing management and vehicle leasing, vehicle management industry, I've done everything from uh, sales, marketing, uh, large tra- finance, large transaction structuring, negotiation. I ran a pricing team for a period of time. So uh, some would say I know all the tricks of the trade. Some would say I know where all the bodies are buried. Uh, and by moving to the other side of the table, I offer clients the opportunity to, um, to have a professional in their corner. I, I say to people all the time, if, if, if you got an audit letter from the IRS, the first thing you do would be to put in a call to your accountant. If you got um, some kind of a legal notice, you put a call into your attorney. And yet, how many folks are there who are, are prescient enough, are thinking ahead enough to say, 
I did. My vehicles are costing me a lot. They're expensive. I may not have up-to-the-date knowledge in terms of the latest technology, industry standards, and so on and so forth. And so I'm going to bring in somebody who knows that side. And oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to have the expertise that it takes to negotiate effectively with my vendors and suppliers. Well, for what it's worth, I think that's a great differentiator because it's the same one I use. <laughs> I spent 16 <laughs> years, you're right. I mean, I spent 16 years in the CEO's chair and, and now I'm on the other side of the table. And I think it is a valuable uh, uh, differentiator. I think you, you bring a lot to the table that most people don't see. I agree. Right, right. So where do you think your industry is going in the next five years? Who knows? Huh? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's so interesting, Martin, because, um, you know, obviously, if, if you'd asked me that 18 months ago, yeah. I would have talked to you about electric vehicle technology. I would have talked to you about autonomous vehicles, which are much farther out there. Are, are clearly a, a, a major impact or waiting to happen. I would have talked to you about shifts in usage and consumption patterns. So things like um, the final mile delivery for Amazon and folks like that. Those are the things I would have talked about 18 months ago. Um, today, uh, I think Anybody who is trying to couch any business question or problem in any context other than COVID is, is obviously tremendously short-sighted. Uh, COVID is the thing that blots out the sun. And when I think about COVID and the impact on our industry, uh, I see there being short-term impacts. I see there being medium or long-term impacts, and I see there being permanent impacts. And what I mean by that is, if you think about, um, you know, an example of short-term impacts, if you were in the food distribution business 18 months ago, you had a sudden and rude awakening. Um, but, but over some period of time, yes, maybe instead of supplying restaurants, you were supplying mom and pop retail locations, um, you know, taking, taking raw product to them. And you were doing some other things differently, but the bottom line is, if you were able to survive, if you had either the, the, the wherewithal, the financial resources, if you were able to participate in some of the government support programs, PPP, PPP things of that nature, um, yes, there's still a shift in terms of who's going out to dinner, who's going to a bar, who's going to a restaurant, who's going and buying product at a retail location. But ultimately, and, and I think in the relatively short term, of course, 
all of this dependent on what happens with Delta. Um, I think in the relatively short term, that is going to look sort of what it used to look like, if that makes sense. Uh, and the companies that are able to adapt and, and may, may survive to this point, make some minor tweaks and changes, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, or they're going to be the survivors, certainly. When I think about medium term, that to me, first thing that comes to my mind is, is lumber and semiconductors. And, and, you know, those are just two prime examples, but the semiconductor disruption and what that has done to the finished goods that require semiconductors, that's a little bit longer term. That's not going to be coming back in 18 months or 24 months. Um, you know, even if we beat if somebody came out tomorrow with the bulletproof vaccine and six and a half billion doses of it, there has still been a, a 12 month severe disruption, 15 months severe disruption in automobile and vehicle manufacturing. Um, same thing with, with any kind of cell phones, whatever technology it might be. When I think about those sorts of assets, um, you, I think of that manufacturing disruption uh, almost like um, an, an inverse image of a pig and a python. So you're going to have the, this period of scarcity that's going to move through the system. Um, and, you know, right now, obviously, New vehicle prices, new vehicle availability is, is about close to zero. Um, production backlog order delivery on most American vehicles is 22, 24 months, 22 to 24 weeks. Uh, foreign source vehicles, obviously, even longer. Until used vehicle demand and new vehicle demand absent major disruption, those things tend to remain relatively stable. So if demand for vehicles remains relatively stable, if supply contracts, until that entire disruption is exhausted through the system, there are going to be aftershocks from that. Uh, so that in my mind, if, if an average vehicle in the United States, an average commercial vehicle stays in service anywhere from three to seven years, call it. I think for three to seven years, you're still going to see a dramatic impact on vehicle pricing, vehicle supply and demand. So that I think of as, again, kind of an intermediate term. When I think about a permanent impact from COVID, uh, I think about things like the fact that folks have gotten as comfortable with the shop from home experience as they have. And the number of, pe number of people that have been onboarded into that. Um, I laugh sometimes, I think when I was coming up in this industry, final mile was something that generally took place in a, uh, 
in a minivan or an SUV or a station wagon. We weren't talking about Final Mile because Final Mile was something where folks went to a retail establishment, they purchased a product, and they brought it home. Um, obviously, that's no longer the case. And well pre-COVID, the Amazons of the world were having such a disruptive effect on the supply of commercial vans. Um, and, and that impact has become exacerbated many fold. Um, I think another more permanent impact um, I think of in terms of commercial office space. Uh, it, obviously, investors, obviously, owners, realtors, landlords, all have tremendous incentive to see those spaces occupied. I, I don't believe that you're going to see um, a, a, a tremendous number of high-rise office towers in Manhattan demolished and, and turned into green space or, or what have you. I think those, those facilities are going to be repurposed wherever feasible. So generally repurposing is going to mean when you think about what it's going to take to repurpose those facilities, assuming that a significant number of them go from commercial to residential or whatever the alternative application might be, well, that's going to mean demand for lumber and raw, raw construction materials. It's going to mean all of the service trades electricians, plumbers, carpenters, you name it. All of those folks, all those folks operate out of commercial vehicles and that's going to shape shift the overall commercial fleet mixture within the United States. And pricing, obviously, if, if demand goes up and supply is not there, price goes up, right? Absolutely. Sure does. So it puts a puts a another emphasis on your maintenance and and uh, maintain and survive with what you have for a while. I get it. Sure does. Well, Jay, I appreciate uh, taking time. How do people get in touch with you? Um, best way is to visit the website. That's Four Fleet Advice. F O R F L E E T. ADVICE.com. We've got some information there, some testimonials, some, some case studies, and certainly go on there and fill out a form. Uh, office number is 215-627-4474. I am always available for an introductory conversation. Always happy to have a, a chat and find out what's on someone's mind. Great. Well, again, thanks a lot for your time. Enjoyed having you. Thank you so much. Thanks. To you. Thank you for the opportunity, Martin, and have a great day. You too. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply 
you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Uh, or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.